This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sunshine, I'm Alexi Austin. Welcome to the State of the Union Podcast. We look at the beautiful game on and off the field through the lens of red, white, and blue colored glasses. Joining me as always, my friend, my colleague, my guiding light, David Mossy, a soccer savant and a Fox soccer researcher and writer extraordinaire. We come to you on the eve uh, or the evening of the start of the round of 16. Two games already done. We have sent two teams packing already. Um, let's, uh, let's start with Spain. And Switzerland was the first of the two games, shall we, my friend? Let's do it. But before they do that, uh, yesterday was a day off. What'd you do? For the first time in a long time, I have an answer to the question, are you watching anything? Oh, really? What do you, what, what'd you watch? I went to see Oppenheimer. Oh, and don't give it away. I mean... Terrific. Love really? it. Really? Loved two it? Two thumbs up. Yep. Do you think it's going to grow into one of your classics and one of your all-times? Absolutely. Oh! Wow, that is that is two big I, thumbs up. For I me. also went to the Sydney Opera House. That's right, and excellent as well. What did you see? Uh, the Sydney Symphony. They performed Beethoven. Uh, great times. John Strong was there. I ran into him afterwards. Mm-hmm. So I went with Mark Young. Sounds like a party. Yeah. Very um, <laughs> okay. Uh, can, can I say something? Oh sure. Uh, a few podcasts ago, I was very hard on Aaron Schechter. Right. I suggested she was out of shape because she was huffing and puffing after walking <laughs> up the stairs yeah. on her off day. Right. She went on a seven-mile hike. Oh, my. Oh, my. So well, hats off to her. She Clearly, fitness is not an issue. For far, far be it from me to tell you how to, uh, to act and behave. But it's been my experience over the years. I'm a little bit older than you that, uh, you know, um, calling people out, and, and, and women in particular, on their fitness, uh, especially on live television, uh, not, so, not, not so smart. So you know, let that be a lesson to you. Lesson okay. learned, lesson learned. Lesson learned. But I, pre- I think she appreciates that you uh, apologized uh, here. All right, let's get into the soccer. So, Spain 5, Switzerland 1. The Spaniards, um, uh, up and down, and certainly coming after that, uh, after that Japan uh, shellacking from, uh, uh, was it 4 nothing uh, against Japan? Correct. So, they, uh, Jorge Vilda says, all right, all right, fine. It did not work. We were found out. And I'm going to make changes. And he made a bunch of changes, not the least of which is, after starting Miso Rodriguez in goal for for the whole tournament, he puts in Catacol, the Barcelona backup goalkeeper for Barcelona, a 22-year-old who has yet to actually play a game for 
the national team, the Spanish national team. Oh, and by the way, of the three games that she's actually played at Barcelona this past season, she only started two of them. And to add, on top of everything, she's basically the fourth or fifth string goalkeeper because keep in mind, there are two goalkeepers that are not there because of the dispute that they have had with the, uh, with the coach and the federation. Uh, and they were one of the quince the, uh, that signed the, uh, the thing not to, to, to play. So this was, I don't, I don't get why it, why it happened, but ultimately it worked out okay. She did let an own goal in, not necessarily her, her, her fault. But as I said, Jorge Vilda got this right because the Spain that we saw against uh, Japan was not there. There was, there was possession again. There was possession with purpose. And, you know, maybe it has to do with the opposition because Switzerland was not up for a game like this. Again, they could not even touch the ball. And Spain was just at a whole nother level. Now, as I said time and time again, and I said this to Rob Stone on air today, four years ago, Spain was not ready for prime time. They are more than ready for prime time right now in that they've put all of these different components together in what they were trying to build. And they needed this past cycle, I think, to get to this position. So, evidently, Spain is awesome again. I would say the jury is still out on the goalkeeper change. She didn't have a whole lot to do. The only shot she faced came from her own defender and yeah. she let it in. By the way, one of the more bizarre own goals I think I've ever seen. We're now up to eight own goals at this World Cup, which equals an all-time record. We'll see if perhaps that gets broken tomorrow, maybe in the U.S.-Sweden game, who knows. Uh, but overall, yeah, I would say Spain got their mojo back. The orgasmic version of Spain returned. Uh, Japan was clearly a blip. Uh, I'm back to thinking this is the most talented team at this tournament. They have the best player at this tournament, Aitana Bonmati, mm -hmm. who scored twice in the first half. Hermoso also found in the back of the net. And, oh, by the way, they have two-time world player there, Alexia Puteas, <laughs> waiting in the wings. It's kind of a we'll-call-you-when-we-need-you situation. Uh, so, yeah, Spain firing all cylinders. Again. There are some that say that this team is better without Alexia Pute. I, mean, I know that's maybe sacrilege, but I think it's much more relative to the fact that she is still coming back from an injury. And she's, she's certainly not 100%, but we had kind of seen her grow into this tournament where she, you know, she played 13 minutes the first game, then she played a half, and then she had played 60 minutes in that last game. So you thought that that was going to be a continuation. But, again, Vilda said, listen, if, if I'm going out, I'm going out blazing. And... All of them, all of the moves he made were fine. So every, happy days are here again when it comes uh, when it comes to Spain. We sent Switzerland home. Like I said, it was with a whimper. It was you know they were never in the game ultimately. Yeah, they didn't concede a goal in the group stage. We made a big deal in the pregame show about how great they were defensively, and then they conceded four in the first half yep. uh, today. Uh, okay, let's go to the next game: Japan three, Norway one. We just got offset uh, with that one, and you know while <laughs> while uh, it, you know while. Norway spotted Japan a goal with the Engen uh, own goal. Japan wasn't phased by it. This is a different Japan than we have seen in the last game in that they had a, a, a lot of the possession. The problem for Norway is they have nothing in terms of speed. There's nothing to counter that possession into space and they were predictable from start to finish. There was only one team, uh, and ultimately in both of these games, I think the, the better and the, <clears throat> excuse me, and the complete, completely better team ultimately won. Yeah, Japan's ability to adapt to the situation, to have a game against Spain where they only 23% possession in 1-4-0, mm -hmm. and then today they were on the front foot for the majority of the match, had over 60% possession and won that way, so that was impressive. Although I will say they still relied on the counterattack to ice the game, and that pass 
on oh. the Miyazawa goal, which put her, by the way, back atop the Golden Boot race, I think was the pass of the tournament so far. What a beautiful through ball. Oh. And, the, and the timing and the, and the, uh, the weight of uh, Fugino, uh, just around, around the back there. Mm, 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 mm. Beautiful. Let me ask you this, though. After the group stage in which Japan won all three games, outscored the opposition 11-0, to zero, I felt like you weren't completely sold yet based on your tweets and some of the comments you made on this podcast. Did today make you a believer? The only thing is, Mossy, and, and, and you'll know this, I think we've talked about this before, you know the, and I mentioned this again on the air, um, there are countries and cultures that talk about suffering, and, and that don't, you know, not from English language cultures, that talk about suffering, and it's a very different way of talking about that word. And there's almost like a, um, a respect and a necessity for teams. And so when, when players and when teams say they suffered, when you say it in English, it doesn't have the same impact and, and meaning. And I only say that because this Japan team, they have yet to go through that moment of suffering where, you know, they get punched in the nose. It, everything has gone perfectly, pretty much, for this Japanese team. Even when they've made changes, even when they've played against different types of opposition, everything that Ikita, the coach, has, has pressed has, has, has turned out perfectly. Now... I, I don't know if maybe they won't be, suffer at all through this tournament, but I just wonder what the mentality is to a team that is yet to face any real type of adversity in a tournament when that first happens and they look around and say, well, we haven't experienced this and this is, uh, this is not something that we're, uh, that we're used to. So th that's my only caveat here, but they are worthy of all the praise. They are worthy in the power rankings and everything out there of what they, did, what they have done specifically because of the way that they have adjusted through this, uh, through this tournament. Um, am I willing to say right now they are the favorites to win this World Cup? I'm not quite there. What about you? Yeah, I wouldn't call them the favorites. If, okay. if, amazingly enough, after what we witnessed in the group stage, if Japan played Spain again, I think I'd pick Spain to win that match. Really? Yeah. It was just one of those yeah, days. Yeah, I think Spain will hopefully have learned their lessons from what went wrong that day. and make You don't the think they sandbag, do you? No, but I, I, do, I do think Spain is the overall more talented team of the two. Yeah, I mean, it, it was... It was, uh, it was funny, to, or not funny, it was wonderful to watch that. All right, listen, uh, as, we, as we flip to tomorrow's uh, game with the U.S. and Sweden, we'll do a little preview here. Uh, it's time for our State Farm can't-miss moment. And so I, I, I bring you back to, a, uh, to fond times uh, when, when things were going, at least on the surface, well for the U.S. women's national team. Uh, you remember the Lindsay Horan movement where she and uh, Danielle Vandedon came together and... Uh, you know, there was this, uh, this incredible moment and pushing back and forth, by the way, from teammates and friends. And this was the poking of the bear that Lindsay Horan needed and maybe even the U.S. And she went on right a couple seconds later into this corner kick, puts it in the ba back of the net. Um, you know, we talked about it at the time. It was a wonderful moment. But this team didn't quite kick on. So as, as wonderful as, as a moment that was, uh, we are still waiting for this team to show up. And again, the question as we are on the eve of this game is, is this as good as it gets? Or is there some magical type of team that we have yet to see in this tournament that is going to magically appear for Vladko Andonovsky in the moment of his biggest challenge his biggest game in his coaching career is he going to be able to push the right buttons is he going to be able to flick a switch and all of a sudden this team 
that now is dynamic and attacks and scores and uh, you know, is uh, more proactive in the way that they play suddenly shows up. Because if this is as good as it gets, based on what we've seen in the group stage, they're not winning the World Cup and they're not getting by Sweden, okay? If there is another team that's out there, because not for nothing, but this is still the number one team in the world, then it damn well better show up tomorrow against Sweden. Because if not, they are going home fast in a utter failure of a World Cup. Well, one thing they're not going to stop doing is dancing. We saw practice <laughs> footage today. And, yeah, they, they want to keep projecting this image of being this loose team. And so every shot we see of them, there's some player. And don't you think that that is relative to the criticism that's coming? They can talk about, you know, they don't hear the noise or cutting out the noise. The whole point of them talking about it is because they do hear it. They know that they're getting heat. And, and again, it's completely warranted and fair, the heat that they are, that they are getting. And so to counter that, if I was in their position, I'd probably do the same thing. You know, I'd say up yours. I'm going to I'm going to dance and I'm going to sing and I'm going to do all all those uh, all those different things. Now, look, I am happy that they have found their joy. They talked about their joy. I'm happy that the U.S. Women's National Team has found their joy. Uh, I don't care if you found your joy or your chi or your happiness or, you know, the key to a, a long, healthy, happy, successful life. Whatever it is that you need to find, go ahead, find it. What this team needs to find, though, is a team that can actually compete to beat a team like Sweden. And so whether it's the set-piece situation, the physical situation, or just the fact that uh, the U.S. is backing into the round of 16, as opposed to Sweden, which I think is going full steam into the round of 16. Uh, they know Sweden very well, plenty of history, as we've, talk as we've talked about. Do you see or foresee Vlad Kondinovsky making any changes that when that lineup comes out, we turn and say, whoa, okay, now we're talking the likes of a, a Vilda or an Akita uh, or um, uh, uh, who's England's coach? Uh, Serena Vigman. Serena. Serena Vigman. Well, obviously he's forced into one in the midfield with Rose Lavelle suspended. Yep. Um, I would love to see Julie Ertz in the midfield drop Sullivan, start Cook alongside Germa. I would go back to the front three from the first couple of games with Rodman back in there instead of Lynn Williams. Um, but, yeah, in terms of who, even if, I, even if you make that Ertz for Sullivan switch, you still have to decide who would be that third midfielder alongside Lindsey Horan and Ertz. So do you go back to DeMello after she struggled in the first couple of games? I, I've told you before that I put Sophia Smith up in front and Horan and Ertz behind. Trinity, Lynn, and, uh, and Alex. It's almost like a... Everybody. 4-2-4. Four, four. Yeah, okay. You know, give it a name. I don't care. <laughs> whatever, you, whatever you want to call it, yeah, you get be. a bunch of good players. Did you see that uh, our friend Heather O'Reilly actually submitted that you, you put Crystal Dunn into a midfield position, an attacking midfield position? And we know over the last few years, Crystal Dunn has made it very, very clear that while it, four years ago she was, in my mind, arguably the best player for the U.S., and not arguably the best left back in the world. She does not like to play that position, and she sees herself as a much more attacking type of uh, position. And I've already talked to you about Crystal Dunn this, uh, you know, this tournament. She has not had a good tournament. So I don't care where she plays tomorrow, but wherever it is, she better, uh, she better be good. I don't think that Black Kondowski is going to do, uh, do something like that. But if, if tomorrow the lineup comes out, and it's the same thing that we have seen, in that there are no changes, no, as you said, he has to make one change, for Rose, but if there's no changes, 
is, what does that say to you, and does it confirm some of your suspicions about Vladko? Yes, it would tell me that he has his head in the sand and just doesn't want to accept what's happening here and the fact that he needs to shake things up. That would be really a dereliction of duty, uh, in my opinion. Let, let, me, let me ask you something, because we were talking about this uh, off air. The dynamic of a team and the dynamic of this particular team in this, in this World Cup, they've come in for a lot of criticism, a lot of flack for, you know, the off-field behavior and the, the antics and the dancing and the picture-taking and all that kind of stuff and the suits and all that, right? Do you think that anything changes in terms of their behavior leading up to the game tomorrow? For example, are we going to see the, the, the glamour shots that we saw in previous games? Are we going to see them dancing and having a good time? Because it's my contention, again, that they hear all of this and they know all of this. And again, to a big F you to everybody, we're not changing for anybody. And again, if I put myself in their shoes, I, I get it. I would want to do the exact same thing. Or do you think that they adjust because of all of the flack that they've been getting? If they had a sense of humor, they would all wear Carly Lloyd jerseys for the warm <laughs> uh, But I think it's closer to the first thing you said, the FU, they're going to keep doing what they're doing. And, and if, they're, if they're going down, they're going yeah. down singing, and they're going down dancing, Absolutely. and uh, that's it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, an interesting, it's an interesting question. The other thing to keep in mind tomorrow, and I know you're always on this anyway, but mm -hmm. it's even more important tomorrow, Sweden's set-piece numbers are absolutely bonkers. And I keep thinking about Alyssa, and they're flapping at that cross against Portugal. Uh, so she's got to be on her game tomorrow. The back line and pretty much everybody that's going to be back there defending corners or free kicks off to the side because Sweden, they are unbelievable at getting at the end of those crosses. I will say, though, that it, from a statistical perspective and a data perspective, and you'll appreciate this, the U.S. actually has been pretty good at limiting corner kicks. So let's see if they can continue to do that because sure. that's a good thing. But it's not just corner kicks, it's free kicks, too. I, I will a special shout out before we start this round of 16 because disaster is a little harsh because, you know, they went undefeated and got out of the group. But again, they did nothing to make us believe that they are going to continue on to great things in this tournament, except for Naomi Gorma. I thought that she is the one shining light coming out of the group stage. And again, this is her first World Cup, uh, 24, 23 years old. Uh, and I thought that she came into this tournament, and from a center-back perspective, in a team that was not functioning as a team, she not only held her own, but really, I think, comes out as the only real uh, player who acquitted herself um, in, a, in, in, one that, in, one, in a way that deserves recognition. So shout-out to her. Now, Janet Jackson, what have you done for me lately? So Naomi or any, whoever uh, else, because if somebody stars in this game... Nobody's going to give a crap what happened in the group stage. And, Naomi, if you mess up in the, in the uh, round of 16, nobody's going to remember what you did in the, uh, in the group stage. So how do you think ultimately this one plays out? We'll Sweden. You think it's Sweden? Yeah. If you had to put your money, you're putting on a Sweden. This U.S. team has left me cold the last couple of years. I think what we've seen in this World Cup has been an extension of what we saw in the Olympics. They lost 3-0 to Sweden at the Olympics. I think Sweden is chomping at the bit to face this U.S. team. They know this is a real chance to knock them off on the World Cup stage. Um, and, yeah, I, I don't think they're going to let it slip away. I think Sweden wins this game. Why do you think that the odds makers uh, have the U.S. still? Is it just a Yeah, it's just that or... residual still, the, the pedigree, the fact that they came into this tournament as the number one ranked team, the two-time defending champions. And so 
uh, while their odds have taken a hit, they just haven't gone all the way down for them to be an underdog in this game. But uh. well, let's uh, before we finish it, uh, finish up the U.S. part. These are the stakes tomorrow, Mossy. You know, this U.S. women's national team has built their brand and their identity around being the best and winning. And yet, and we've talked about this before, I think there are a lot of people out there and a lot of Americans that are rubbed the wrong way from this team. And you know, for any number of reasons, and a lot of reasons that have sometimes nothing to do with soccer. If this team bombs out against Sweden, it's not just about losing a game. It's not just about going out of the World Cup. The big risk is that they lose their relevance. The big risk is that they become irrelevant. Because if they don't have that fuel that is winning and that is being the best, that platform and that power and that voice and you know, that megaphone that they have, that goes away very, very quickly. And so I, I, I worry about that because I do think that this has been good for not just the individuals because they have achieved wonderful things and fame and fortune and all that kind of stuff, but it's been good for soccer. But it is so tied to them being good that if and when a generation now sees them not being good and being historically bad, that's a, that's a bad thing for the brand. I'll repeat what I said the other night. We talk about this blend of youth and experience, but to me it's two extremes. You have some veterans that have won so much that I don't think they have that sense of urgency mm -hmm. anymore. And then you have some youngsters who have other World Cups in front of them, so they don't have that sense of urgency either. There are very few players on this team that are giving off a vibe to me that this World Cup is a make-or-break legacy-defining thing for them, and so that's tough. Uh, anything to say on the Netherlands-South Africa game? That will be our uh, first game. It was, it was interesting. Again, just, it just keeps darts just into, into your heart because we had a bunch of people at our set tonight, a bunch of American fans at our set tonight because they had all planned that tomorrow they would be here in Sydney watching the U.S. play. Obviously, the, uh, the best laid plans were derailed and they've, they have gone off. Uh, Netherlands versus South Africa. Do you give South Africa any chance? Incidentally, I remember the 2010 World Cup in South Africa. The U.S. surprisingly won a group that included England. That's and right. The U.S. Yeah. played in their round of 16 game against Ghana. When they flashed the stands, there were tons of England fans yep. who had bought tickets, thought England was going to be there. So, yeah, that happens sometimes. Um, I do give South Africa a chance. You know, they were pretty close to winning all three group games. Mm -hmm. They had a lead in the second half of their first two games against Sweden and Argentina and coughed it up and then obviously beat Italy in the last game to qualify. Uh, we have three African teams in the knockout stage. That's one of the nice stories of this World Cup, Nigeria, Morocco, and South Africa. So, yeah, I do give them a fighting chance, but certainly I would pick the Netherlands. And if the Dutch move on, that would set up a really tasty Spain-Netherlands quarterfinal. Ooh. And then, obviously, you have Japan waiting in the wings to see who advances between the U.S. and Sweden. Do you still have, in your power rankings, uh, England at the top? No. no. Uh, I continue to think they lost too much injury-wise to win this World Cup. Okay. I'm assuming Kira Walsh isn't going to come back. Uh, so, no, they're up there. They were impressive. They won all three group games. Obviously, hammered China in that last game. But I would not have England at the very top of my power rankings. Like I said, after what I saw tonight, 
I am back to viewing Spain as the cream of the crop. In this back, program. baby. Yep. Spain is back, baby, for Mossy. All right, wonderful. All right, well, we say goodbye uh, to Switzerland. We say goodbye uh, to Norway. And we got two more games tomorrow, as we mentioned, and obviously the U.S. Uh, playing. So we'll be back after the game uh, tomorrow to wrap it up, and hopefully it's a celebration. Or, you know, maybe it's a postmortem, and, uh, and we kind of dig into what, what went wrong. But... I put out a, uh, a, a poll on my, uh, on my Twitter. It's not called Twitter anymore. My ex, I don't know whatever the hell we call it, but you know, it's, a, it's a poll as to, it's simple, US or Sweden. And right now, it's 50-50, basically. So, you know, shocker, the US is divided. <laughs> all right, well, we'll see ultimately what happens when the whistle blows tomorrow, but join us for all of our, uh, all of our coverage. And I know it's not real conducive, in the middle of the night, I appreciate everybody that gets up and, uh, and, and, uh, and, you know, and watches the game that we all know and love. To see that maybe, just maybe, that team that seems to, at least from a U.S. women's national team perspective, seems to be lurking behind the scenes that has yet to show its head. Maybe it shows its head tomorrow against Sweden. Because for Vlako and Donoski and company, it has to. Otherwise, they are going home very, very quickly. We don't want that. We don't want that for, uh, for our team. We want them to con uh, continue on. But they got their work cut out. And if I'm Sweden, I am licking my chops right now. All right. Anything else before we go, my friend? That's it. All right. To continue to uh, review and write and subscribe and rate and download and do all the different things that you do out there when it comes to the State of the Union podcast. Thanks again to State Farm for presenting this. We will talk to you again tomorrow. Think good thoughts, people. And until then, and as always, size the day.